Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike. That's Doug. Dude. Dude, it I, all happened. <laughs> everything happened. We've got uh, a GM's been named. A coach has been fired. Um, a, a draft has happened. Yep. Uh, free agency has happened. A big trade has happened. And I think I actually care again. <laughs> I've got to say, um, I feel inv- I, I'm back to my old habits of playing around with cap friendly. Right. I don't know. There's a little, I got, I, I've got a little uh, juice in my step, dude. Dude, where do we start, right? Where were we last time we recorded? Let's start there. Where where did we leave off? Uh, well, I believe I had just won the Vegas Cup. Mm-hmm. Okay, I knew you had. And um, I think that's about it. I can't remember if Bugner had been fired yet. I don't think he had. I think he had. He had? And we were talking about how weird that was. Oh, that's right. And how we both thought, in retrospect intelligently surprisingly that this meant the sharks were going to hire a gm soon because the gm was going to want right his or her own coach right and And then correct right although we still don't know who that is but i think we we can sort of uh try and make some guesses today on who it might be but uh yes dude uh let's start with mike greer mike greer your namesake back in the old days when we first started the blog can't stop the Greer. Can't stop the Greer. That was your that was your name. Your nom, and, nom de plume. And the reason why I, I always enjoyed Mike Greer as a player is because he worked his ass off. Yep. He was really hard to play against, and he always, always was invested in the game. Right. And by everything Mike Greer has said so far in his tenure as the Sharks GM, that is what he wants to model this team after. And I would say. Those aren't descriptives that you would normally say for a Doug Wilson San Jose Sharks roster. We're not knocking that. Mm -hmm. It was successful for a long time, but there was more skill forward emphasis and less grit. And I think we might be seeing a shift in vision here, dude. For sure. Uh, It's pretty clear that... uh... He was given the reins to do what he wanted, which I think was very important from my perspective. It didn't really make any sense to have a new GM come in and have the exact same policy executed, right? And that was one of the things that I remember saying either in the last podcast or the one before about how this might actually be a good GM job because this isn't one of those owners that thinks he knows how hockey teams work. Yeah, you're not dealing with uh, Dundon in Carolina, right? Right. Or Dan Snyder and right. Washington right. football team or something who right. thinks like, like they're they're the you know the the God's gift to to whatever sport. Right. So and it was funny because we'll we'll get to this in a second, but just uh Jonathan Becker, who's the um the president of the Sharks, uh said he was interviewed and was commentating on the the uh prospects games last night he was on the broadcast the stream and he said we told mike make this your team right and he did yeah <laughs> and he said that too he's like and he did yeah he did. he's right. already done a lot he has already done a lot of work around the fringes that i think not just the fringes well dude i mean yes 
you know, one shark's core player is gone, right? But, uh, you know, he has definitely made his first steps to putting his imprint on this roster based on how he's changed out what I would mostly say are role players, you know, except for Brent Burns, which we'll talk about. But, you know, he has uh, changed the outlook of what the expectations are from his non-high skill level stars, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I really appreciate that. Um, I don't know if if this is if if his moves are going to work out or not. Sure. But I'm optimistic. Like, I'm certainly willing to give it a... A try, right? You go, I like that they are trying to change the look of this team. Right. Because it, what they were doing was not working. That's that's obvious. And and Becker talked about it a little bit too. He said, and Greer came in with a plan, as I think all interviewees for a GM job would do. They would come up with a plan for the team and, and what they would want to do. And he said Greer had a plan not just for the kind of team, but he exudes this leadership quality, this calm, this idea of how to play the game, how to instill a culture in the team. And not that those things were necessarily missing, but he has a clear idea about what he wants. And we're going to talk about that more in reference to um, you know the latest the latest inter- uh, article here on the Athletic, but. You know, this is it's clear that Greer has a very specific point of view and he's already implementing that point of view. None more so, to my mind, the th- the thing that really drove it home. Okay, this guy, two two moves specifically that drove it home is one, Doug Wilson Jr. was like immediately out. Not that that was I thought a knock or anything, but it's like he's like I'm not just going to ease into this or to keep guys in. I have a clear picture about what I want from a drafting perspective. Doug Wilson Jr. Didn't say anything bad about him. No, he was he was gone immediately. Needed to happen. And again, this is not a a knock on Doug Wilson Jr. Right, but you can't have a, a major holdover from the team's previous regime, who probably was the number two decision maker. Right, sure. In the franchise, still there. Right. If you're looking to change what is happening with this roster because I doubt their mindsets aligned. Right. Right? Right. So um, I applaud that move. Again, not a knock on Doug Wilson Jr. or Doug Wilson. We've had some incredible runs. But change is here, and you have to make those kinds of tough decisions. And and the other thing that was, frankly, more surprising to me is the fact that the team cut ties with one the previous rookie of the year, Jonathan Dolan, and didn't even qualify him as a restricted free agent. And another player who was playing in the lineup pretty much every night, Rudolph Balser's gone, right? right? Not like, oh, what can we get for you? Like, yeah, here's your bus ticket. We'll see you on the flip side kind of thing. Like, we don't want anything to do with these players. Again, not that these players were bad people or even bad players, but clearly not within Greer's vision of the kind of team that he wants on the ice next year. Yeah. I mean, he has essentially taken that spot on the wing of, you know, the second or third line and said, I don't want Dolan or Balsers. I want Luke Coonan, who is, who was in the top 10 in the NHL and hits last year. 
plus had over 10 goals, right? That's who he wants Yes, on that wing, not two players who don't play that style of game, right? And look, I mean, and this will segue into where I'm going, where I think the Sharks are going with their coaching hire next. If you watch how the Tampa Bay Lightning play, they don't have guys like that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. They don't have guys like that. They don't have passengers, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that was the knock on a young player like Dolan, who, while he was the team's rookie of the year, it's a pretty uninspiring rookie of the year, right? (laughs) That's true. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, was drafted, I believe, by Vancouver, who played overseas for multiple years, had his rights traded to the Sharks, still didn't come over, and in his only year, right, here, started off really strong and then faded mightily and ended up being scratched quite a bit right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and then you know i think obviously greer knows the nhl and knows this player and said this is not someone who i want to invest future money in right right and Greer brought in another longtime NHL guy and former teammate, Doug Waite. You can't wait for Doug Waite. I love this. <laughs> like, like Doug I, I just yeah. like Doug Waite as a player. I right? did too. I another love guy who had more skill than Greer, but played the same way, man. Yeah. I mean, like, like if these are the two guys that are like your NHL role models, which I, I got to say, I mean, the thing that's so ironic to me that I was waiting for with Bugner's tenure here is... The boogeyman, like, I mean, like, I mean, the original, right? This guy was... As a player. He was a nasty, badass, like, defenseman, right? Low skill, high grit. Right. And his team didn't play like that. Right. And I just thought it was so odd, right? Right. And now it looks like Greer is saying... And Greer's not... I mean, he was not a dirty player or anything. He was a tenacious, low-penalty-minute guy, right? Mm -hmm. But he played hard, and he wants his team to play in that same model. And they're taking steps to try to do that. Right, right. And and they made some signings. And Luke Coonan, we already mentioned, Oscar Lindblom, who, if you read The Athletic from the Flyers' perspective, man, that was a very complimentary article that the Flyers beat writer wrote about Oscar Lindblom, about how he sort of pulled the team back together. He came back from a cancer scare. Obviously there's risk associated with this player, but this is a guy that hits. This is a guy that plays in the dirty areas. This is a guy that tries hard every single night. This is a guy that other players on the team love. Right. And he was shocked and dismayed that the Flyers would not want to keep a guy like that. Right. And the Sharks got him. Yeah, a lot of weird stuff happening with the Flyers, I got to say. Very, very You cut weird. a beloved player like that who very dramatically came back in the playoffs a couple of years ago yes. from his cancer diagnosis, and you cut him and you bring in all-time turd Tony D'Angelo. I know. Like, you know, what? to play for John Tortorella. Yeah. Like, it makes no How sense, is that right? Like, so you cut this guy who apparently, by all descriptives, plays the way Tortorella would want someone to play, and then you bring in maybe the worst defenseman defensively yes. in the NHL. You know it's funny when Carolina like uh people are talking about how much of a defensive upgrade Brent Burns is going to be <laughs> over Tony D'Angelo. You're like, "Uh-oh. I yeah. mean, have you seen Brent Burns leave his feet?" But I mean, you yeah. know. Right. Anyways, right. dude. Uh yes, I mean, uh, I mean, there's some risk here, but it's low risk. I mean, this is a 2-year deal. Yeah. Right? And 
this is, you know, if it works out, you've really got a player that, you know, can significantly help improve the way this team plays. Right. This is a culture change, right? This is part of the culture change. And we haven't talked enough about Burns yet, right? So Brent Burns, maybe the most talented defenseman in Sharks history, uh, a Norris Trophy winner, traded. Right, this a little bit buried. I wasn't even really thinking about it. Usually, this would send huge shockwaves through Sharks Nation, and I'm sure it has in in some corners. But I feel like in the context of all the other stuff that's happening, it's almost been a little bit buried. I mean, right. this, one, we're in the depths of the off season, right? So people maybe aren't paying as close attention to sh- to hockey right now. But but Brent Burns being traded is a huge moment in Sharks history. Yeah the the duo of Carlson and Burns has been a failure from the start. Unfortunately, that's true. And, you know, we can see sort of what the the intention was to have this unstoppable duo that could sort of operate in many different aspects. And it never worked. It just never worked. For whatever reason, it didn't work. And the previous regime was unwilling to walk away from it. They were just too close to the situation. They were going to just keep banging their heads against the wall until this finally worked. Well, I, you know, in their defense, uh, I think the problem was is that both of them were on extremely limited and long-term contracts. There's just not a lot you could do. Sure. But and they, they were unwilling to... Let's, let's be honest. Brent Burns was given away for nothing. Okay? Right. Nothing. And the Sharks retained salary, right? And I could see that being a very difficult pill to swallow. And I think there's a reasonable argument that said the Sharks made a mistake here. I happen to agree with the move, but I think reasonable minds may disagree on this. I mean, the Sharks are keeping $3 million of salary and got nothing in return. Right. I mean, and especially when you look at what, you know, the player that the Sharks, you look at the packages that the Sharks traded away to get Eric Carlson. Right. And you just, you want to, I mean, you, you want to go in a, in a tiny closet and scream now, right. right? That Josh Norris just got, you know, an eight-year mega contract to be, you know, a number one, number two center, basically same dollars as Hurdle, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, you don't have that player. That was the player you had. Right. And you gave him up for half an Achilles, right? Right. right. And like, so, <laughs> and you lost paths in the process. So right. like, I mean, it, there's a lot has gone wrong here, right? For sure. Um, over the last several years, it hurts to see Burns, who we just love as a personality around this franchise, to lose Burns and Pavs and Thornton in the last three years. And, and you know, of course, Marlowe as well, but maybe not personality-wise, but just prestige-wise. Sure. To lose those guys, all those guys, um, hurts your, your Sharks hockey soul, right? For sure. Yes. Yes. But from what I can gather, Burns essentially said that he wanted to move on. Right. He, he wanted to win. He didn't want to be here for what I think is going to be some lean times, right? And the Sharks respected that. And did they get a great package in return? No. Were they ever going to get one? No. No. It makes me wonder how bad the Dallas deal, how bad the Dallas offer was. If they took this Carolina deal, and the reports the morning of was that they were negotiating with Dallas... You know, Burns has his main home is in is in the Texas in the Dallas area, I believe. 
uh, and you know reuniting him with Pavs. I'm sure if he could have chosen a, a destination, he probably would have chosen Dallas over Carolina. Although I would certainly argue Carolina is a better team. Um, but to bore bump, dude, how, could be. How bad was that Dallas offer? Like, we're going to give you like half a pound of brisket <laughs> and like two gallons of coleslaw. Like that was the offer. Yeah. I mean, you look at Dallas's roster, right? And if you're looking for what might be a comp, right, to what the player that they got, which was a bottom six, most likely fourth line forward with NHL experience who yes. plays in the descriptive style that Greer is looking for, right? And the Sharks have really struggled to find NHL quality guys yes. to play those roles regularly, right? And they've invested a lot of money in the last few days in trying to find those guys, yeah, right? they have. So I'm looking at Dallas's roster to see who that might have been, right? Would you have been more excited by uh, the Sharks acquiring uh, Luke Glendening? I don't, I don't mind Luke Glendening. I mean, but I mean, but it wouldn't have been like that much better where you're like, yeah. ooh, Luke, Luke Glendening, right? Yeah, right. Like, and, and, you know, he probably will cost more than what they're going to get. I don't know. I, I'm not sure how much Lorenz is uh, going to get. He's restricted, yeah, right? Yeah. But, you know, it, yeah, you, it does make you wonder wh what Dallas's offer was if they weren't able to get this together because Dallas was always the logical choice. They have been at an impasse with Klinberg for the last year. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. They have a whole... In their D, they have former Sharks coach. They have the former Sharks captain right there. Yes. It made sense. And Burns lives in Texas. Yes. Made perfect sense. They obviously didn't top what was a very bad return. Yeah. So a it must have been return. awful. Right. And also, I mean, I don't know. If you're Mike Greer, why do you want to do the Dallas Stars any favors? Yeah. Like they're right? in your conference. No, we're not going to do you a solid. I'm going to get the best thing that I can get. I'm going to send him as far away as possible, right? Makes sense. So, you know, in the next three years, if the Sharks are hopefully more competitive over the next three years, we don't have to look at Brent Burns four times, right? That's true. So, goodbye. Good luck, you know. Godspeed. And, and you, you're not going to be... We're not going to have to look at you all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. From what I understand, like the hearing people talk about Carolina's point on this, I mean, they think Burns is set up to just have a completely monster year there, right? Um, a lot less pressure where he will not be leading the NHL in minutes. Like he'll be playing more of a third, fourth guy role there. Yeah. But he can just mainly focus on bombing away. Power right? play, yeah. They love to shoot from the point, and there's not many who are better at that right. than Burns. So good luck to him. This needed to happen, dude. I mean, it needed it needed to happen. It needed to happen. It, and and I, I I'm not I'm not that sad about it. You know, Greer said one of the first things he said after he was hired as GM is he's like a lot of GMs sometimes try to make short-term moves and it hurts the team long-term. And the fact that he said that 
right away within the first 24 or 48 hours of him getting the job. I'm sure there are a lot of people who have been really touting the full rebuild. A lot of the athletic uh, comment threads are people saying we need to tear this team all the way down and all this kind of stuff. And we've talked about that before, so we don't need to get into it too much again. But, you know, they all said, wow, this is so great. And, and maybe it's not a full rebuild, but I agree with that sentiment, right? The, the Sharks, unfortunately, are in a position where they have bad contracts. And the Burns contract may have been the best of the bad contracts, but it was still a bad contract. Right. And the fact that Greer was able to get rid of it, the fact that Greer is putting an identity attached to this team, you know, maybe Carlson will be next or Carlson will be able to rejuvenate and stay healthy on this team because you look at the roster now as it currently stands, and I don't think we can say anything's over. The defense is thin. (laughs) That's true, dude. I mean, I think going back to Carlson here, the other thing, if you're looking at this from a management perspective, Burns was taking away Carlson ice time and min- and points. If you're trying right. to rehab a star's value, right, which needs to happen, you need to move off of one of those players. Yep. And moving Brent Burns then elevates Carlson's standing on this team. He will now be the clear number one on this team and gobbling up the majority of power play and scoring opportunities, right? If this works out in the best case scenario, Carlson either elevates his play without Burns and becomes a really useful piece of the Sharks rebuild or Carlson elevates his play and becomes a tradable asset. Right that the Sharks can move off of and maybe get some actual value for. Right, right. So um, all those things, worth worth a shot because, again, what was happening before wasn't working. Right, right. So, dude, I mean, I, a couple other players I want to talk about before um, we look ahead to maybe some more questions, right? Another, uh, you know, Lorenz brought in um Nico Sturm brought yep. in given some term. Yep. Three years. I mean, this is a guy that Colorado traded for, uh, was part of their cup run, right? Uh played not in every game, right? But I mean, he played, you know, most of their playoff games on a cup winning team. And now he's being asked to come to San Jose and play what I'm assuming is a fourth line role and do the same thing. Great. Yeah. Good. That's right. Yes. I mean, if you're looking at Tampa Bay as the model here, right, they've been able to, their bottom six players, I mean, you know, and they have Perry and Maroon, and you can always bring those guys in whenever, right? You just got to find the right guys. These veteran players, they've been able to identify some of these really, these guys who are really good at those roles, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Sharks just have never been able to figure that out, you know? So, well, like you said, it, it almost seems like a, a, a philosophical shift, right? Because it certainly seemed like before, and maybe it was coaching staff, maybe it was manager, maybe it was a combination of both, where it seemed like the strategy was, is you get a good young player and you give him a taste. You give him a taste of the NHL. Here, I'm going to give you 12 minutes on the fourth line. What can you do? 
show me. Show me what you got. 12 minutes on the fourth line. Are you going to be playing against their best? Probably not. Are you going to be playing with the best? Probably not. What are you going to do? And honestly, that experiment has not worked. Hasn't worked, dude, because you know what I think happens in that scenario is, you know, if you're putting Eklund, William Eklund out there and you're like, here, go place 12 minutes against Ryan Reeves. Yeah, with Matt Nieto on your wing. Right. I mean, Ryan Reeves is going to kick your ass. (laughs) And then you're like, you know, like those guys, Belmar, like those guys are like, they're not there to like play skill game. They're there to win in the dirty areas and try and, you know, disrupt the flow of the game. Right. And you're just, you're asking these young skill players to just go out there. It's, it's suicidal in some ways and it hasn't worked it really hasn't it really hasn't and it seems like if there's one major change that is pretty clear is that my career doesn't doesn't agree with that well we hope not right i mean i don't know why you would be signing oscar Lindblom and nico Sturm and trading for steven lorenz it seems like that is not gonna be what they're gonna do that we're not gonna see eklund playing eight minutes on the fourth line Right. Or seeing them bringing up, you know, Ozzy Weisblad right. to play four minutes on the fourth line, get, you know, benched for making a mistake and sent back down the next day. Right. How is that for a young player? Right. They can't feel good. You right. know what I mean? Like you're like, oh, my NHL debut. Oh, oops. Right. I'm out. I'm back down. Hey, guys, I'm back, right? And the other thing is that these guys are not on big contracts. So if one of those players does impress, one of those players does show he can play that style and play it consistently, then it's not going to kill your bottom line if one of those guys get gets excised from the lineup, right? Right. If you're playing some guy, you know, if you got Nico Sturm for $2 million or whatever, that's easy to put him in the lineup. And if Ozzy Weisblatt isn't cutting it or he's not close, you're like, okay, have fun on the Barracuda, right? I don't need right. to fill... That's not a hole I have to fill. Sure. And the only puzzle pieces I have are young players that with no NHL experience. Right. But I think the thing is with a lot of... If you're looking at what could potentially be the Barracuda's roster, which I know we're going to talk about that in a second, like... I mean, I don't know if the Sharks even know what these guys' roles are, right? I yep. mean, I think they don't know the players necessarily well enough to know. Are we looking at they have eight top six forwards and they just are overflowing with skill and underwhelmed with, you know, uh, personality players? Or are guys going to kind of figure out? It's hard to figure out your role on the fly in the middle of an NHL roster, right? Yeah. When you're just sort of being, unless you're a guy like Jeff Fiel, right? Who, I mean, he knows what his role is, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think it's also telling that like those guys are both still here, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gadjevich, Fiel, yep. both still here, right? So um, it'll be interesting to see whoever the coach is, if those guys are going to get, more of a regular lineup presence than they did under Bugner, which I also just thought was so weird, you know, yeah, but yeah. anyways, um, dude, a, a lot of um, goalie action, I know, right? Tons. I mean, the signing of Aaron Dell just really threw me off yesterday. I was like, what's going on right now? That's like, a lot of goalies. They have a lot of goalies right now uh, in, in and around the team. Um, that 
it's interesting, right? But I think what they've set up here is a situation where it's like, hey, listen, no one's got like a gig. Yeah. Right? There's going to be a lot of competition. So uh, have at it, guys. You know, we've got, it looks like there's seven of you, right? Like right now. Uh, you've got Reimer and Kokkinen, which I think you've got to think are the favorites to be the NHL guys, right? You've got Aiden Hill, who is a, I don't know. Unknown. Right? We don't know. You've got Aaron Dell, who has NHL experience, but can also be your AHL veteran goalie. Yeah. Right? You've got, you know, Etu Makaniemi, who was hurt last year, but played really well at right. the AHL level. And for the Chicago Wolves, and at least one of the one of the reviews I read on this guy, I thought this is the best goalie prospect in the Carolina organization. Wow. Okay. Um, did not make Scott Wheeler's top twenty Carolina prospects, but um, it wasn't Scott Wheeler who wrote the article I just right. mentioned. So you know, but dude, the the one that we haven't talked about yet is Strauss Mann. Strauss Mann. I love Strauss Mann. Strauss Mann on the United States. Olympic team. That's right. As one of the goalies played in the Olympics, not badly, by the way. So, and and then Zachary Emond, right? Who? So now you've got yeah, we're eight nine goalies in eight nine goalies, right? You've got seven guys that we just talked about who are playing for five spots. Mm-hmm. I guess you know people are saying, well, Emond is an easy ECHL demotion. I guess. And then one of the other guys is just not going to be here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) what do you make of this dude? Uh, It's interesting. Certainly I, I, I can't help but think Greer, Greer said he'll, he, he's willing to start the season with three on the NHL roster, but I I have to think one of those three is going to be targeted maybe within the first couple of months of the season is just like, okay, there's gonna one of y'all is gonna be the odd man out. We're gonna find out who it is in the first two months. Right. The goalie market is has kind of dried up right now, right? It's I mean, all weird. those moves have have come and gone. So this is if I'm looking into my my career crystal ball, <laughs> this is what I think he's doing. Right. I think injuries happen all the time in training camp. I think he is yep. just waiting for the team that has like actual. Stanley Cup or playoff aspirations to have an injury during camp and they are forced to overpay right. for James Reimer. Yeah. That's what I think he's doing here, right? Yeah. That, you know, he couldn't get what you'd get for him now is not what you might be able to get for him if somebody was, you know, desperate. Mm hmm later yeah right so um that's my guess like toronto <laughs> well toronto's put themselves in a terrible position right and it's funny why they why they wouldn't just go back to reimer instead of doing what they did right it's bizarre yeah i get it um so anyways that's another podcast probably but uh an interesting spot but again at least it's interesting yes right i mean it's very much a different look and Certainly, if you look at what is potentially the starting lineup for the Barracuda, you look at this team and what do you think when you see 
a potential this potential lineup in the Barracuda. Can you read it to me, dude? All right. Left wing, Eklund, Chemilevsky, Brandon Coe, Agazino, who's a free agent signing, Bordalo and Reedy, Daniel Gushin, Tristan Robbins, Ozzy Weisblatt on the third line, Raska, Weatherby, and Verano on the fourth line. I would rather buy season tickets to watch that <laughs> than the Sharks. And I think we were talking about this before we started today. This is a total philosophy shift, right? If the Sharks do this. Yes. If they do this, this is this is a 180 degree turn. If, they're, if Greer is going to say, I want my AHL team to be competitive, to be good, and I want to keep my young players together so they actually build some chemistry together what a novel idea you know i mean like i'm the sharks are still there i mean you know i don't think they're necessarily gonna be there's uh, the pacific the window is open for them to maybe be the fourth playoff team i guess right i mean if, if everything sure. goes right but that's the best case scenario here right so why not let the Barracuda try to win the Calder Cup? Like, how is that not a good plan? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, let these guys play. Let these guys play some big minutes against pros with a long schedule, right? We've talked about it before. I, I understand both, both uh, approaches, but this approach is going to be interesting. Not that it always is about commerce, but the new uh, Barracuda Arena is opening this season. This is going to make a splash. I mean, this is going to encourage people to come see the Barracuda. I will go. I will go. I will go. If this is the team, I will go. And I'm telling you, if this is the team, they will be in the mix yeah. for the Calder Cup. If they all play up to their potential. Yeah, yeah. And if they don't, then the Sharks at least... I mean, this is the best way to evaluate what you have, right? If they can't do it together, then you know that collectively... Your system is in big trouble, right? Mm -hmm. If these guys who you're looking at, you just read what you hope a few guys excluded is the Sharks roster in three or four years. That's right. Like if they can't do it or if three or four of these guys don't pan out to be regular NHL players, Sharks are in big trouble, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... They're, you're not going to find that out necessarily by playing them 12 minutes on the fourth line. Right, right. I'd rather see them be a PP1 on a good AHL team. Yep. Yeah. So dude. We've seen a, a lot of changes, dude. I, I'm sensing a lot of excitement from both of us. I got to say, so the biggest questions left here, I think the biggest... Who's going to coach Who's these coach boys, dude? Who's going to coach these boys? I, I don't know. I don't even have a clue. Well, I mean, these are the names that have been kind of put out there, right? Um, the connection that people are drawing between Greer and David Quinn, mm -hmm. the Boston area connection, the New York Rangers connection. Let me tell you why I don't buy this. Okay. Mike Greer was part of the management team that fired David Quinn. <laughs> and they fired him after a very disappointing playoff run two seasons ago and they replaced him with Gerard Gallant and the team almost made the Stanley Cup finals right so you're gonna when you're starting your new gig you're gonna bring in the guy that you your previous management team just fired 
and certainly seems like justifiably fired. <laughs> I just, I don't see it. I know Quinn is the coach of the men's national team of the U.S. Right? I just, I don't, I yeah. don't buy that. I'm going to say that I'll be a little disappointed if that's the the hire. Right? I think Greer might look to champions blood here, dude. Mm. I think he might look to the two assistant coaches for the Tampa Bay Lightning who have San Jose Shark connections, right? Or connections to Greer directly. Greer played with Jeff Halpern. Yeah, in right? Washington, right? In Washington, mm-hmm. all right? Halpern's got a great beard. Really, really tight trim, right? You got to <laughs> like that, right? Uh, <laughs> Always a benefit. <laughs> I mean, that's a name that has been mentioned in several coaching searches, right? Um, but a lot of hires happened before the cup run was over. He did not get a gig. He might be the best available young coach. Yep. Right? Yep. The other coach on that Lightning team is Rob Zettler. Oh, God, Rob Zettler. I'm just saying, dude, that's a former Shark. Yeah. Former Shark coach. He's been an assistant coach. I understand that in this league a long time. I'm just and never saying, got a head coaching. You're job. right. You're right, dude. And and I I'm not advocating it. I'm just saying that if you're trying to instill a championship culture, and you're trying to catch lightning in a bottle, literally, right? <laughs> I'm rolling my ass by taking someone off of the Stanley Cup winning. And almost winning again, yeah. Staff, I think you hire Jeff Halpern, dude. I Jeff think Halpern, that yep. I think that is the coach the Sharks should be looking at because one, I don't think you have to make some sort of massive financial and term investment in this person, right? Right. right. Two, you've got a young coach who's going to be coming in, learning from the best coach in the NHL right now, John Cooper, right? To instill what he's learned from making that lightning team a dynasty really by how they play and how they set up their team culture. Yeah. I, it's, it's a good argument, dude. And honestly, I don't have a better name. I don't have a better name than those two. Although, like I said, Rob Zettler has been around a long time, never got a head coaching gig. It makes me wonder why that is. Uh, you know, I'm concerned about that. Jeff Halpern, obviously great center in the league. You certainly remember when he played on the caps. Um, so that makes sense. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah. You know, I, I could, I would think Greer as a new GM would not go way off the board here. Um, I don't think he would go and just, you know, pluck a European coach or something, you know, some random guy. Yeah. You don't know. I mean, like, um, the Warriors went way off the board and picked Steve Kerr, a TV analyst. Right. I mean, now he was also ran the Phoenix Suns for a couple of years. It wasn't like he had no experience at all. But, you know, I mean, to me, again, in my Greer crystal ball. Nice. I think Mike Greer already knows who he wants. And why it hasn't happened yet, I'm not sure. But I don't think that he said fire the entire staff. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. But I think he knows what direction he wants and probably knows that this person was available. Right. Or, you know, the other thing is you do want to make sure that 
other folks in the organization are on board, right? You don't want, you know, maybe the the coach might need to at least interview or they need to do some due diligence, kick the tires on more than one guy. Okay, maybe he wants Jeff Halpern, but we should do the right thing, do our homework and interview five or six people, make sure there's no diamond in the rough that we're missing here, make sure that these guys all want to be there. Just like Greer or any other GM candidate, I'm sure you bring in a coach and you say, how are you going to coach this team? What are you going to do different? Right? What's your strategy? What's your approach? And and maybe Jeff Halpern's a great guy, Greer knows him, but maybe it doesn't his approach doesn't necessarily agree with what Greer wants, right? You got to have that alignment in a in a hierarchy, right? So, you got to you got to do all that stuff and that stuff takes time, right? Greer's only been on the job a little while and you know, two really huge things have happened since he's come on the job in that short time, the draft and this free agency period. So, I could see why he wouldn't want to necessarily have all of those balls in the air exactly at the same time. We're not going to see a ton of coaching moves in the next six weeks. So I think Greer can sort of breathe, take his time, talk to some people. He doesn't have to pull the trigger like right this second, right? The coach having the, not the, the coach not installed before August 1st isn't a huge deal. If the coach isn't there before September, October 1st, and that's obviously a big deal. But Greer's got some time here to make this move. Yeah, he's got some time, dude. But I, I got to say that I do think, I think this is going to happen pretty soon. I think that we're going to see this in the next week, you know, that I think we're going to have a coach. Like, I do think he... I'm going to take the over on that. Okay. All right. Um, great. Jeff uh, Halpern. Jeff Halpern. Uh, <laughs> it could be. Um, the other other names that I'm looking at, I'm sorry, that I was just looking up were, will he try and take one of the assistants from the New York Rangers, right? I, I don't find either Gord Murphy or Mike Kelly to be the yeah. right fits for what um, I would think I would hope that Greer might go with a younger coach who can grow into this team. Again, if you're looking at the blueprint of the two most successful teams recently, Colorado and Tampa, Colorado promoted a very experienced AHL coach to lead their NHL roster who had some chemistry with those players already, right? You know, the Sharks aren't going to give the gig to John McCarthy. One, he doesn't have any chemistry with any of these players because he just started coaching that team. Yeah, that's right. So bringing in a Halpern who can be here for an extended period of time with low expectations, with no pressure, makes sense. I think if you bring in a David Quinn, it's just different. Like that, I don't know how much patience you can have with that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we'll see what happens. See what happens. DeBoer again. DeBoer bump two. DeBoer bump two. Oh, wait. Dude, I think the next question for me is who I'm staring at right on the roster spot. Kevin LeBanc's yeah. next, right? Like, <laughs> he's next, right? Yeah, yeah. He's next. And so you just wonder how much Greer is willing to stomach in terms of getting... LeBanc off this roster, right? What does he have to do to move him? Or do you just say, I mean, he's just, when you read about what a Mike Greer player is, Kevin LeBanc is none of his things. (laughs) Right, right. You just got to think that he's gone. Like it's coming, right? But how? He's the biggest question mark on the entire roster right now for me. I mean, Noah Gregor, 
I'm not sure about Noah Gregor either, but I feel like you could. He's he's not a huge uh, number that you have to worry about. Whereas Kevin LeBanks getting paid a lot, and you're like, what? What's the deal with this guy? Yeah, that's the biggest question mark by far on this roster. Is what do you do with Kevin LeBanc? Do you give him a shot to make the team and to play the way he wants you to play? Because he's coming off an injury, his career is obviously in trouble. Um, Last time he was under pressure like this, I mean, like you know, I guess you could look at it both ways. When he was playing for a contract, he played the best hockey of his life. Right after he got the contract, he played the worst hockey of his life. <laughs> right. So the question is, what happens now? Is Greer going to say, okay, I'm perfectly happy uh, putting one of these other guys that I have in your spot, and you're going to be a scratch every night. And then if you're a scratch every night for the first 10 games of the season, then you're gone. And, and trying to play the the competition angle there, that that would seemingly make sense. Or he could just say, it's time to make a break and we'll have to get out of here. But I, I can't see Kevin LeBlanc Paying the same, playing the same way he has been playing, and just sort of hanging out on the roster. Like well, that, I mean, that's just if you're, I don't know who would want Kevin LeBanc in any circumstance right now, right? Like, even if you said, "Here, take LeBanc, we'll retain fifty percent of his salary, and we'll give you a <laughs> third round pick," like, why? <laughs> That's an expensive yeah. like dump to save two million dollars to give to another new player, right? Like, um, but LeBanc is eating up a decent portion of the Sharks' cap. I think they're going to let him. I think I think they have now that we're talking about. It, I think they have to let him try. They need to let him try to be a useful player on this team. Right. The real downside to that is if he fails then you've got even less value. Right. Then he's shown everybody that he can't even stick on a right. team that's pretty thin and is not a playoff team. Right. And then I think what you end up doing is at that point, you end up waving him and I don't, and he just becomes exiled. Right. 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 And you just wait for his money to disappear two years. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, I mean, that's probably the biggest question mark left. Right. We've got, uh, Mario Ferraro's restricted contract, right? What do you think that's going to be? You know, I was talking about this with another friend of ours, and I I have a lot of trouble being calibrated on what his number is because I feel like he's a really effective defenseman, but just not on the score sheet. And you think, is he a, a Mark Edward Vlasic when Vlasic was the shutdown guy in the NHL? Obviously not. And he's certainly not a 10 to 15 goal scorer as a defenseman. So my gut feeling says he's not worth that much, but he is a top four guy. There's no question. So I'm thinking in the three to $4 million range. So now do you take a page out of Doug Wilson's book where you're doing this sort of bridge deal, right? This like two years, 7 million that gets you to the next contract, which would be the big one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, instead of just giving him a lot of term and money right now, it's going to be interesting to see how Greer plays this, right? right because, right. you know, I mean, he obviously wasn't afraid to get, we didn't even talk about Matt Benning, like wasn't even afraid to give Matt Benning, who, you know, was a third pairing NHL defenseman, a four-year deal 
at like a million and change each. Right. Was able to get a guy who he's like, this guy is going to be playing our number six role for four years. Yep. And I'm going to pay him a little bit above the league minimum. But we've got him. But we've got him. And yeah. he's in his late 20s. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they handle that. And um, there's a few other restricted contracts cocking in, of course. But, um, you know, and then Timo Myers is kind of the big one waiting in the wings. But I don't know what the urgency is to do anything about that right now. Right. Right. Yeah, that's that's a conversation for another time because so much is in motion right now. And we don't know exactly what's going to it's going to look like it as the season starts or, or what's going to happen. And, and I think certainly everybody thought, I thought that this is a situation where you have to pay Timo Meyer this coming season. And now I am decidedly less sure, but again, that's a, that's a conversation for another time. There's so much happening. I think, uh, it's, it's interesting to be a Sharks fan again. Like, yeah, you know, no, I mean, cause there's a, I mean the, yeah, there is at least finally now something to care about because there are, Changes afoot. Yes. Michael, changes afoot. Changes afoot. Right. And, and we're going to see a new team with a lot of new players. And I think we're going to see a, a new attitude and approach to how this, this Sharks team plays hockey. Going For forward. sure. For sure. All right. Let us know what you think. We'll be back again very soon. Thanks for listening. Go Sharks. Go Sharks. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.